Good morning. Or should I say, if you're watching this as I release it, Merry Christmas to those of you who celebrate. We are back, Bostopian News with Evan George. They have a little bit of a funner episode, mostly because of the type of clips I had to watch for this episode. But to take a look back on the right-wing, white conservative freakout that ensued nationally and locally here at the Electeds of Color holiday party. And though this has been beaten into the ground for days, if not weeks, I still think there are some things that we can learn from how people generally reacted to this, both liberals and conservatives, especially at the national level, because Fox News ran with this story, I believe, in every segment throughout the day, from their midday shows to the primetime evening news shows to their night comedy show. And when I tell you that I sacrifice for you all to do this podcast, I don't just mean my time or intellectual energy. Sitting through right-wing comedy and attempts at comedy and watching even just professional news broadcasts is so intellectually insulting to me. And the jokes landing so flatly to the point where people in the audience don't even know if there were jokes is excruciating. And that's how I spent my Friday evening. And so if you would like to help return the favor in a quick pitch, go over to patreon.com slash News and show a little bit of appreciation for what I put myself through. Now, before we get to some of those clips and we get to talk about right-wing messaging, I do just want to make sure everyone is on the same page with what this event is in this organization. So the Electeds of Color Group was founded roughly 13 years ago by Russell Holmes, Tito Jackson, and Carlos Enriquez. And apparently, the birth of this group was when they found themselves at a meeting and were unaware of where each other stood on a particular issue. And so according to Russell Holmes, he said the group tries to get Boston lawmakers of color on the same page, whether it's about a response to police brutality, open political offices, or the redistricting process. And I should note, I am reading from Danny McDonald's piece, published December 17th, A Holiday Party Was Held, Racial Outrage Ensued. Now, it should be noted that many of the electeds of color, whether they are in a DAU's position, city council position, or at the state house, all have vastly different views on those issues and vote vastly differently from one another, and in fact have attempted to sabotage or ruin one another's political careers in their efforts. And so when I originally framed this group, I normally frame it around it is emotional support group because I, while I'm absolutely sure they discuss policy in the way that Russell Holmes expressed, they, they still very much operate within their own individual political lanes trying to gain favor, whether that is with establishment powers or just whoever their core constituency voters are. And as part of this group, they apparently have an annual holiday party. It looks like the host rotates. You know, they've pointed out that Anissa Asabi George is hosted at some points. Tito Jackson has as well. And because Michelle Wu, being the first elected of color to ever hold the mayoral seat, they determined, hey, now the mayor will get to throw it. They chose the Parkman House, which is a public building. And... 
One of her staffers, Denise DeSantos, who, according to their LinkedIn, is the director of city council relations at the city of Boston, to the elected of colors, however, also unfortunately to the entire Boston City Council, which has seven white members and six of color. However, realizing her error, 15 minutes later, wrote the following. Hi, counselors and team. I wanted to apologize for my previous email regarding a holiday party for tomorrow. I did send that to everyone by accident. I apologize if my email may have offended or came across as so. Sorry for any confusion this may have caused. Best. Now, what's funny about the wording of the email is that didn't necessarily disinvite people, as in more hinted that that was not meant for everyone, as it was really just meant for the members of that group. And then from here, someone, my best guess being Frank Baker or Aaron Murphy, sent these two emails to Gayla Cauley of the Boston Herald, and she then published her piece that evening at 8.27 p.m. on December 12th. It quickly spread like wildfire, especially in right-wing circles. They say it was an international story, and the only pieces I can find outside of U.S. borders, one was from Toronto, which is basically America, and then I did see a very quick, I mean literally like six sentences, from I think Sky News in Australia. Which regardless, they went ahead with the party that was scheduled for Wednesday, December 13th, 5.30 p.m. at the Parkman House. And according to another Herald article, this also written by Gayla Cauley on December 18th, quote, the party was poorly attended, according to a source familiar with the matter, who said that of the more than 40 elected officials invited, only three state representatives, a state senator, and two city councilors attended, including the mayor themselves. I added that last part. Which, you know, it's difficult to know how many people had other obligations, how many weren't going to attend anyway, how many didn't want to be in the same room as some of those people, because again, they do not all get along, no group that size does, especially in politics, and how many planned on going, but because of the political fallout, the media narrative, then decided not to show up. I would love to get that level of information, but I don't have it. And those are really all the basic details you need to know in case you didn't. And obviously, I have a lot of thoughts on organizations which frame themselves around a racial identity exist in our society. Where are they helpful? Where are they hurtful? But I think the best way for us to slowly go into that is to start looking at how Fox News covered this nonstop throughout the day. And the only other little detail that I wanted to make sure everyone knew before I did is when... Michelle Wu posted the photo of them all at this dinner, which was a very smart move. That was good. Basically showing that this was not some hidden thing like a lot of the right-wing outlets tried to do, that this organization and this dinner is nothing to be ashamed with. That, But that in this picture, Ricardo Arroyo is sitting next to Kevin Hayden. And that is just wild to me. And I don't know if it was on purpose. I kind of doubt they actually had an official seating chart. But that is awesome in so many ways. And I wish they held this event at somewhere that I bartend just so I could have just like went over and just overheard, which has got a sense of the vibes between those two, but absolutely wild. And now to see how the national conservative media covered this, we're going to stick with Fox News and I'm going to take you through their all day lineup, basically, starting with their morning show, The Five. And this is all on December 14th. All the clips I'm going to play you is all from the same day. And this is literally the only thing they seem to have talked about. 
And so let's kick it off. Here's how they first began covering it. And this one I'm going to include when they give a brief synopsis of it, and then I won't do that for the future clips. So here it is from The Five. No uh, invite if you are a white person in Boston. The, the mayor there is Michelle Wu. She's fake, uh, facing backlash over her holiday party exclusively for, quote, electeds of color. So her office sent an email invitation to all city council members instead of just those of color. And then the mayor later had to defend that party invite last night. Watch. Given some of the strife that exists, though, in this council, do you concern this lends itself at all to further divisiveness? No, I mean, um, again, this is a, a, a group that has been in place for many, many years. We want to be a city where everyone's identity is embraced and that there are spaces and communities that we can help support. Okay, all right, so we embrace Tarloff and Tyrus. <laughs> <laughs> and you see how that ends with that, like, little creepy laugh? That seems to be another staple of all of these shows. And honestly, I don't know if this is commonplace on CNN or MSNBC also, because I don't watch any of this garbage. But basically, whenever they tell a joke or try to set up that something is funny, they themselves have to do this obviously fake laugh. And maybe that's because there isn't a live studio audience to like add in a laugh track, because this is all entertainment. But it sounds so weird. And that little, <laughs> you're going to hear stuff like that in every single Fox News clip, even the so-called like late night comedy show that they have that my God, wait till we get to that. But the only part of that intro that I also wanted to highlight, because this is what they run with all day, is they make it seem like the mayor's office threw a party, but just for the people of color where in reality, this group exists called the Electors of Color, which is an informal group of all the different offices within the larger Boston area. And by that, I just mean like the DA, the State House, the City Council, etc. They get together. And so it is not the mayor on their own initiative just having a Christmas party for just the people of color, it is this organization that is throwing it and her as a member of this organization. It is very semantical, but it is also incredibly important to understanding the story and what happened. And And I want you to keep in the back of your mind how long that took me to explain, to parse through those two different things and why on this issue, the right has such cleaner language that is so much simpler to communicate. I'm going to hit that theme a couple times throughout this, but all right, we're going to pick it back up with the five. I want to apologize for my previous email regarding a holiday party for tomorrow. I did send that to everyone by accident. I apologize if my email may have offended or came across as so. Sorry for any confusion this may have caused. But basically, it feels like if you're white, you're not invited. <laughs> and if this happened at any company in America, what, what, what would the HR department say then? The same thing that I'm saying right now, you need to resign. But we, this isn't this. This is the most disturbing thing. Is the, the apology is for getting caught. That's the biggest. That should be the big red flag. And then when questioned on it, it was like we want to make sure there's a safe place for everybody. Unless of course you're white, because you're not welcome at a Christmas party. Your constituents are not just people of of color. They're white people that have voted you in. Now I would put quite a bit of money on the fact that I bet you there are many large even private corporations that in the wake of the George Floyd protests 
began to create social groups and within like some of those social groups are like, oh, you know, our like workers of color, like here's a space. And I bet you those groups still exist. They're absolutely being phased out. All of that DEI initiative that people did. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. Yeah, those are all gone. Those were mostly money-making schemes and way to actually skirt any sort of material reckoning or larger changes to the system. Instead, it was, okay, we're going to make all of our employees uh, take this mandatory history class. I'm sure this is going to help things, which, of course, it didn't. Anyway, to the extent that those groups still exist, I bet you they probably throw some sort of parties and invite their members. And that's really the second thing, and this is another large theme that Fox News runs with, was that this was a secret party, which it very much wasn't. This group and organization, everyone knew about it. I knew about it. The idea that they would get together socially is not like a foreign concept, but trying to make it sound like they this is secret, that the people of color are meeting in secret, again, just kind of plays into a lot of this right wing and white hysteria. All right. This guy, Tyrus, keeps going. But when you do this, you, you don't look at the consequences. If I was a white nationalist right now, I'd be saying, I told you. See, this is what happens. They are after us. All the negative stuff that you see on the extreme sides of things, this is the same thing. The only difference is because it's white people and white people allow this BS to go down. There should, if I was a white person as her staffer, I'd quit. I'm not working for someone like that. If that happened, if, if me and Jessica had a tall people only Christmas party, you think little Gutfeld would appreciate that? <laughs> would I be invited though? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. What do you Heart's think of so this? big you get to come. <laughs> um, I don't know. Tyrus, not in the spirit of the morning. Um, I think it's Jessica, really not great. I mean, yeah. any, anything short is a, just a fanta I don't think, yeah. fantastic boo-boo. Well, possible. it's also, there are only 15 members on the council. This wasn't like we're about to be flooded by thousands of white people, right? There were seven extra people that were going to be invited to this party. Okay, that segment had three different parts, and then we're going to move on from the five. Starting with the last one first, multiple times they get this wrong. At just how many members are there on the Boston City Council? She says 15, some other like right-wing random news thing also says 15. And even when the, she didn't do it there, but in another clip, they're like, there are 15 members, seven white, six of color, and no one just stops and does the math. And just getting those little things wrong irritate me so much because she has someone in her ear, literally like a producer in her ear. And if she misspoke, very simple. Producer says, oh, it's a 13-member body. And then she would just quickly corrects it. Right? That's like how this works. And them just not even having the basic facts down. Again, I find insulting as someone who does the lowest budget podcast that exists. Like, take the extra time to, to get those sort of numbers right. Anyway, the other part I wanted you to just gruelingly sit through was when they attempted to make a joke about having a tall people's like party only. And just like the dead silence and the awkward. <laughs> and it's just so weird. And again, I attribute it to just bad writing or they just don't have enough prep time. And they've just cut like these studios just trying to rely on individual talent to do it. And like these people just don't have any level of like charisma or talent to like flow naturally or organically. So unless you have very strong writers with teleprompters. All of these jokes sound just as painful as what you just heard. And then the final thing is, so 
this guy Tyrus, who uh, just is a big guy, he's wearing like shorts and a black t-shirt and a backwards hat. It's kind of like how I would dress. So he's a person of color. And many times, because he appears later at like the late night comedy show, they basically use him or he has himself be used as kind of like the punchline or as the person of color who is going to say the things that the white people won't. And for example, in his little creed right there, he goes off by saying, well, if I was a white nationalist, this would be like, oh, I told you this is what happens when we do it. This is what happens when we just let the people of color do their own thing. They organize against us. And they are having the only person of color on that stage openly talk to white nationalists, essentially saying, look, you're correct. And I, as a person of color, am giving you that green light that your views are correct. It is very disgusting. And obviously, there's a long career of black and people of color conservatives who figured out that like that is how they're going to get their money in these circles. And they keep talking about it. And there's another element that I didn't even consider but they mention it on every single Fox News show. Tyrus mentions it in a little bit from this clip, but we're going to just move on to now the early afternoon show. But now we jump forward a few hours in the Fox News programming, and this segment is called the Faulkner Focus. Here, Fox News contributor and columnist for The Messenger. I, you know, it strikes me when she says we want everyone to be included. It's like, well, then why can't you invite all the white council members too? Yeah to this celebration of people of different backgrounds. Martha, Joe. the quote bears repeating. We want to be in a city where everyone's identity is embraced. Everyone is except embraced, <laughs> except for the white city council members who, as Molly reported, make up half that council. Here's the irony alert. Under these social segregation rules of Mayor Wu, her own husband would be banned from attending this party because at last check, he's a white guy named Connor. So that that's just something to chew on for a second. And could you Michelle Wu is married to a white man. That framing is in every single Fox News segment about this story. And it's something that I didn't even stop to think about in this whole saga. I mean, everyone got a plus one. So could have theoretically invited him. If I had to guess, he's watching the kids at home. He also doesn't go out. And that's probably maybe one of the reasons why I feel like the larger or like the more local Boston media, no one really fixated on that because we kind of don't think about him because he's not really that visible of a presence. The only local person who did was, of course, Howie Carr. So like you needed to have an old white man to have their brain jump to, she's married to a white man. Michelle was married to a white man. And they just reinforced that a lot on every single Fox News clip. But all right, this guy continues. On for a second. And could you imagine, by the way, a white mayor of a major city saying, no, we're going to have I a... I know what you're going to say. You know where I'm going no. with this, right? <laughs> it would never happen. And the media reaction would be rightly, yeah. overwhelmingly outraged. But we're not seeing any news coverage of this, even by the Boston Globe. Not, not even reporting what Mayor Wu said. Bias and omission, a complete blackout. And of course, on other networks that scream racism, every other word, they're not covering this either. So she won't resign. She will get away with this because people are saying there's nothing to see here. There's plenty to see here. Segregation in any form is wrong. Yeah, We're going to get to his that last point because I think this is very, very important about messaging. But his previous comment of like, oh, can you imagine if a white person did that? The media outrage. The media outrage for this was insane. And this is another thing that you only see in conservative news media, 
is when they talk about a story, they act as if they themselves are not supposedly a news channel. So they'll make comments of like, can you imagine if this happened? The media would talk about it nonstop. And they're doing that while talking about it nonstop. This thing got weeks of coverage. The Boston Globe did write a piece on it immediately the next day from this December 14th. And in fact, they had four pieces about it. But the constant framing of can you imagine? And again, that also has like a little bit of that, like that awkward like laughter that they do, which I, I don't really understand. Like, is this something we're supposed to be angry at? Are we supposed to be laughing at the supposed hypocrisy of it? It's, just, it's very emotionally confusing what they want their audience to feel. But again, I think that mostly goes down to just bad talent and bad writing of what they're trying to communicate. Anyway, I want to replay for you that last comment he made. There's nothing to see here. There's plenty to see here. Segregation in any form is wrong. Yeah, and we hear about it on... So just there, those three and a half to four seconds of segregation in any form is wrong in 2023 is clearer and more concise than anything that I would be able to articulate in three to four seconds. And this is an overall problem. And this is something that I remember in the early 2000s hearing Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld articulate that while you are busy responding to reality, we are the ones creating it. And what they mean by that can also be phrased another way that it is much quicker, cleaner, and easier to tell a lie than it is to debunk one. It is just literally fewer words that you need to be able to express. Because another political adage is if you're explaining, you're losing. If you're defending, you're losing. That's why politicians are taught that if you get a question that you do not want to directly answer, something that you can't fit into a soundbite, then simply just answer a different question. Just completely ignore what they asked you and then say something else because you're not going to be penalized for that. And so that sentence, segregation in 2023 is wrong. Segregation is always wrong. Or let's say if I was on that show and just directly asked the question, so do you think we should have racially segregated parties? Yes or no. Just being able to reduce it to that and without escaping the confines of that just very quick a historical, don't give it even another five seconds of thought, surface level analysis. You can't win. Like, I can't win. You have to refuse the premise of how they're phrasing the question. But again, that takes explaining. Like, how you would explain that is that groups which form around a racial identity do so for a reason. There is a reason that the Ku Klux Klan was founded just a few months after the end of the Civil War. Because they viewed the defeat of the South as the greatest threat to a racial hierarchical system where white people sit atop it. And so white people, white men in that time, came together to form a group to work together to maintain that racial hierarchy. There are reasons why organizations framed around black people, like the NAACP, were formed as a protection from the racial hierarchical system. And still to this day, we have many local examples of this. As I discussed in the video, if you saw it, there is an organization called the Vulcans and the Boston chapter adds support, mentorship to black and people of color firefighters in the Boston Fire Department. Boston recently created a whole department called Black Male Advancement to work on and address the very specific needs that 
young black men have growing up in Boston. And so for these groups and departments and organizations which are framed around racial identity, when we see them framed around a white identity, it is to maintain a racial hierarchical system. Whereas when we see these organizations form around marginalized groups, it is one of protection. It is one of trying to exist within an oppressive racial hierarchy. And therefore, our responses to segregation, and not necessarily segregation in and of itself. However, that point takes time to explain, and it takes someone else who's willing to hear it to try to understand that difference. But it is so much easier to say, nope, okay, you're saying racial segregation's okay, but if it's okay, black people do it. Yep, okay. And you're not going to be able to get through that. And for someone else who's trying to think through it, it is just such simpler and cleaner messaging to just say racial segregation is bad, right? I thought we all agreed on that. Apparently not. Without actually going through the confines or the context. And this is something that a lot of liberals are also just going to willfully fall for to basically dismantle any of these support groups and call them reverse racism or segregation. We're not supposed to have segregation, I thought. And that's what we're really going to see. And that is the direction that we are 1 million percent going in is using the language that people supposedly were taught in like DEI initiatives and using them to dismantle the support structures without changing any of the larger material basis of what continues to propagate racial segregation in our society. But now let's jump to Fox's primetime slots, because again, they're still not done talking about this. And this is going to fall a lot more on the attempt of comedy that I can't stress this enough. I'm about to play you a clip from the Jesse Waters primetime show. This is one of the flagship parts of the Fox News lineup. And I think this is what replaced the Tucker Carlson show. But don't quote me on that because, again, I don't watch this trash. And just listen to the quality. Listen to, like, the guests that they have on what is the primetime element of Fox News. Now we're the hosts of Drinking Bros podcast, Ross Patterson and Dan Holloway. All right, Ross, uh, anti-white Christmas party. I didn't think I'd see that. Well, I mean, either. Look, first of all, I'm shocked that you allowed two whites on the program tonight. <laughs> so we want to thank you for that, Jesse, uh, okay. especially us. I mean, look, if we rolled up there, a couple of honkies like us who look like extras <laughs> in a Lifetime movie about January 6th, we'd be out of there, my man. I don't know about you. Like, there's there's something in you. I think there's a hint of Latinx. You might have passed, <laughs> but us too. We're out in the streets listening to Creed, my Ford Raptor again. <laughs> I didn't know it was Latinx. I thought it was Latinx, but I'm just not as woke as you, Ross. Dan, um, <laughs> do, how do you think the electeds of colors party was is probably pretty good oh yeah i'm sure it was great my favorite part in this little thought exercise is imagining elizabeth warren outside with her 23 <laughs> and me pulled up like hey guys i'm one thirty-two thousand invited to this party Please you're in you're in open up the rope line <laughs> you show up with your 23 and me and even i can get in because i'm 0.1 sub-saharan african and we did the dna test to prove it so we have that <laughs> nonstop, again, just these weird attempts at humor. But I liked that last part when one of the hosts, and I don't know who, the why is the drinking guys on the Fox News primetime slot? 
it looks like they have like a radio show for sports. There's a Buffalo Bills helmet that's signed. They have merchandise for their show that is in the same font and style as Pornhub. And it's just weird to see it on Fox News. But anyway, I like that. And this is always an element of conservative comedy that when one of the hosts brought up, oh, Elizabeth Warren with her 23 and me, then Jesse Waters kind of took it seriously. And he's just like, oh, well, you know, according to my 23 and me, I am this percentage. We did it and we can prove it. And he gets almost somber and serious how he delivers it. And this is a constant critique of conservative comedy is that they get so mad at the premise that they stumble over the joke, whereas in there, Jesse Waters basically stomps on the joke of Elizabeth Warren by getting back to like weird race science of like how much drops of blood do you need to qualify, and they just get angry at it, and he gets sad that he's excluded. It's very bizarre, very strange, but they keep going. Do you guys think that this is going to be a thing now? Like, are we going to have separate but equal? Because you keep seeing this all over the country in schools, in apparently the Boston City Council. It's everywhere now. Well, if you're that rich, is it segregated Brita filters? Like, how, how are they doing it there behind the scenes? And as far as her white husband, did they ship him off to the guest room? I mean, yeah. my wife does it if I have too much chili. Uh, but at a party like this, where does he go that night? I almost feel like he should be here with us. That's right. At the, at the whites only Jesse Waters primetime show. Yeah, just horrible attempts at comedy and the fixation on Michelle Wu's husband. Very bizarre. But you also heard, you know, Jesse trying to tie it. It's like, oh, we're seeing this in schools. We're seeing just I don't know what they're talking about, but they kind of just stumble over it. And just make it like one of those statements to have the audience just kind of like nod their head. I heard Frank Baker do this too a few times when he would give speeches. Like they kind of just like Miranda off and then try to tie it to larger things. But it doesn't like connect or work. But if you thought that they haven't like beaten this to death already on Fox News. Now they have the Gutfeld show, which is their attempt at a late night talk show comedy thing, I guess. And they spend an entire 15 minutes on this with a assumingly written opening monologue and just listen to how painful, painful this comedy is. Oh, yeah! Happy Thursday! Oh, I love you already. So Boston's top donkey wants Christmas without a honky. Uh -huh. This week, the mayor's office sent out an email invite to members of the Boston City Council. It was an invitation to, and this isn't my wording, it's what the mayor said, to an electeds of color holiday party. Yeah, she was making a list of everyone who isn't white. But to her embarrassment, the invitation went to the entire city council, even the white folks. That's right. In 2023, the mayor of one of America's biggest Democrat-run cities threw a racially segregated holiday bash that would have made George Wallace proud. You know, good thing they didn't call it a Christmas party, right? That would be offensive. Me, I'm still waiting on the Muslim Hanukkah. Although you have to translate from the river to the sea into Hebrew. 
All right, I just have to pause it there. Like, did you hear how uncomfortable that was after he made that statement? And no one, like, there are guests on the stage with him right now. There's a live studio audience. There's a producer that has a signal that they give to the audience of, like, when to laugh. And everyone just sat there. Oh, my God. All right, it keeps going. But really, menorah? That sounds sexist. I'm sticking to my whites-only Kwanzaa bash. Steve Ducey is making his favorite gumbo, and it goes great with crackers. Yeah. But right after the invite went out, the aide who sent it quickly realized her error and followed up with this quote. I did send that to everyone by accident, and I apologize if my email may have offended or came across as so. Sorry for any confusion this may have caused. Now, you notice she doesn't apologize for shunning people for their skin color. There's no apology for that blatant racism. Nope, she's just sorry that the evil white people found out. She made bigotry sound like a clerical error. And don't you love how it's always sorry for any confusion? Sorry, there's no confusion for this For anyone with a brain, the racism was easier to spot than Dylan Mulvaney at the Million Man March. <laughs> And all right, I'm going to spare you the rest. That was only like two minutes in, and this is a 15-minute segment they do on this. It then has Rob Schneider is on the stage to pitch some like direct-to-DVD movie that I didn't even know they still did those anymore. So that's how bad that movie must be. And then they have that Tyrus guy on again, and they do this weird bit where they put him, and I'm not joking, in a fenced-off area that says Blacks Only. And again, it's a, it's very weird, like minstrel stuff that they do um, with whoever this guy is. And then there's a woman on the stage and she spends the entire time talking about how Michelle Wu must hate her husband. And that's why she threw this party. And that's what they rinse for 15 minutes. Just absolutely horrible. And and by horrible, I, I, I mean like the comedy. I mean, like, you know, them getting the facts wrong, them using this to propagate some like racial division and all this weird stuff. That's all horrible too. But the comedy is honestly, I think even more offensive. Like somebody wrote that opening monologue. Someone like almost a team did that. And just my God, offensive. Now the daily show also covered this. And so in a little bit of fairness, I'm going to play it. And I got to be honest. Yeah. That comedy isn't better either, but I think there is something to show about how liberals are handling this type of, this type of event. Look, that's really yummy. <laughs> and finally, it's that time of the year where everyone is headed to their office holiday parties. It's the big night where you get to see which one of your coworkers is married to an uggo. <laughs> Usually, a holiday party is a chance for everyone to have fun together. But for the Boston mayor's party, it was a VIPOC's event only. Mayor Michelle Wu gives hugs and gifts to the outgoing councilors during the final Boston City Council meeting of the year. But not everyone is feeling the love after the city disinvited the white councilors to a holiday party. 7 News obtained this email sent to all the city councilors Tuesday. It is from one of the mayor's staffers and reads, I cordially invite you and a guest to the electeds of color holiday party. But 15 minutes later, another email went out. That staffer clarifying, quote, I did send that to everyone by accident. I apologize if my email may have offended. I think we've all been in a position at one point where an email went out and there was a mistake in the recipients, and so there was truly just um, an honest mistake. I do find it divisive, but 
you know, what are you, you going to do about it? You don't want me at a party, I'm not going to come to parties. Um, I feel bad now. Guys, come on, let him come to the party. This is, this is rough, all right? This is rough. They, they planned a party just for the people of color, and then they accidentally invited the white people, too, and then they uninvited them. Like, it's a whole mess. And, and I'll be honest, this is actually a tough one for me. And, okay, he keeps going. There's, like, another four minutes, and they do a little skit that is, isn't also funny. So just in fairness, I guess it's maybe just bad writing all around. Doesn't matter. And he still, in this show, still gets the framing of this wrong. It's not the mayor's party. It's this group. And her as a member of the group, it's her turn to host it. And then they also kind of depicted, you know, Frank Baker as a, ah, like, we should feel bad that, like, the white people got disinvited. And there are really two things that, if you just looked at it at a very micro level, the Wu administration could have done to prevent this entire thing from happening. And a lot of this is also covered in uh, Bill Borey's piece for the Dorchester Reporter, uh, the editorial titled Phony Holiday Party Scandal Rings Hollow, in that one, and this is more my question than others, is did they need to use the official channels of the mayor's office to throw this party? Like, it, if this group is something separate, I'm not, it's not a problem they did, but going through the mayor's office to plan it now makes it very much look like it is the city of Boston. It is the mayor who's deciding to throw a segregated party. Where again, that wasn't the case, but by going through those channels to send out the invite, it very much looks like that. And then the second mistake, and I'll just read from you uh, what Bill says on it. It's a breach of etiquette and common courtesy to invite someone to any event and then disinvite them. Anyone who's ever organized an invite list for a wedding, bridal shower, backyard, BBQ knows better. If you invite Aunt Janine, you don't uninvite Aunt Janine unless you want a blood feud with Aunt Janine and her whole side of the family. Which, yes, the second thing, if you were still going to use the channels and you made that mistake, is the disinvitement. And that little grievance of being disinvited is what caused either Frank Baker or Aaron Murphy could have been the others, who knows, to feel that little bit of embarrassment, of anger. And that was all the justification they needed to turn this into a multi-week story. And then to be used disingenuously politically to really attack any initiative that addresses or looks at black people and people of color in our society. Any elements of racial segregation, genuine racial segregation, to just map it over and saying, nope, see, it's the people of color. They're the ones who are making a big deal about, quote unquote, this. They're the ones who are being racist. In fact, Frank Baker, I don't know where the audio is for this, but in a USA Today article, they have him quoted. And this was written by Nadia Yancey Bragg and Mark Ramirez on December 15th, quote, Outgoing city councilor Frank Baker, who is white, said this isn't the first time he has been excluded from an event meant for people of color. Quote, Boston is known as a racist city. Maybe we are. Maybe we are, based on that, Baker said. But it isn't white people doing this. This is people of color being exclusionary. And that is really the entire framing. All of that Fox News clips with the entire day that I showed you is all trying to play towards their white conservative audience that see... You're not racist. The police aren't racist. 
you don't have a nice house and a nice retirement and a good acre of land and those people don't have that because of racism. It's not about racism. It's actually the people of color who are being racist. They are the real racists. And even in that The Daily Show clip, they still don't really address that. They still kind of accept that underlying premise that it is the mayor's office, Michelle Wu, people of color who are being exclusionary. But hey, we should just laugh about that. Like, oh, the white people aren't invited to the cookout. That's pretty funny. Rather than maybe just attempting to explain it, having, again, a little bit of nuance that you can kind of leak in through humor, The Daily Show also just completely passes on it, grants the underlying premise that people of color are being exclusionary, and then just try to find comedy from that premise. And all of it does just show the direction that we are now heading in. And we had that little fluke, and it ends up being a fluke, the George Floyd protests. Because you can track all these movements, like we were all heading in this direction. And then some little like last gasp to just try to hit us on a right course, one that actually has some levels of acceptance of the problems within our society, and then actually addressing them materially. That was what the calls were all for, looking at how we spend money in our society, who has it and who doesn't and why, and trying to address that. And instead, it very carefully became about workplace, DEI initiatives, let's just get upper management better racial training, let's just give better racial training to the cops, and all of that energy, the largest civil rights movement since the 1960s, dissipated, went into the background, and now we're just kind of back on the track we were, which was everyone shut up, you're all on your own, and we are not changing a single thing about our racial hierarchical system. And in fact, and you can see this in the immigration policies being debated at the national level, and here at the state level, with the whole cap on how many families we're going to help, we're heading the other way. Both liberals and conservatives with the message yeah, we're done with all of that race safe space stuff. We're going to now get back to law and order, which I have to point out, we never left in the first place, but it feels like we did. And very similar to the conservative messaging, you wanted the feeling, not the facts, which I believe was a Newt Gingrich quote. And just to quickly address this at the local level, I'm not going to go through the Herald and Howie Carr's just nonsense. But the Boston Globe opinion piece really hits home what I'm trying to say, titled, The Boston Tradition of Electeds of Color Party Should End. Events that divide people and leave some behind aren't the holiday traditions we should cling to, written by Rachel G. Cohen. And her piece begins talking about an old Massachusetts State House ritual where three or four women reporters weren't invited to the Senate President Kevin Harrington's all male sail along the scenic North Shore coast, which, wow, that is a mouthful. Could you have, you know, reduced that a little bit? And then basically saying, see, it's good that we got rid of these exclusionary events in the halls of power. And then with the quote, ah, yes, the more things change, dot, dot, dot. So now Mayor Michelle Wu is defending her decision to go ahead with her electeds of color holiday party at the city-owned Parkman House after disinviting city council members who, well, didn't fit that description. And she ends with the writing, In the coming year, this city will mark the 50th anniversary of the landmark school busing decision, a time marked by trauma and divisions that have left indelible scars on Boston. It was then long-standing tradition that white kids went to Southie High, black kids didn't. 
they got the dredges of schools, of equipment, of books. Some traditions need to be abandoned in the 1970s, certainly the kind that traditions that segregated schools. And yes, even the kind of traditions that left, quote, girl reporters back in the press room while the boys got to go out for a summer sale. And equating an elected of colors group throwing a party as the same as the school segregation that both existed in the 1970s and still exists to this day, when you look at the racial segregation of Boston's public schools, to equate that to that party is insane. And this is something that conservatives will always do, and liberals make this mistake also, is looking at social elements and thinking that is the same as material, that being excluded from housing, from employment, is the same as not being invited to a party. And what makes this just even sweeter is that back in 2014, Rachel G. Cohen was the editor for the Boston Herald's editorial section, and she approved an incredibly racist cartoon which depicted Barack Obama like in the shower talking about chicken and watermelon, and then it took her weeks to be silent on it when people were saying, hey, you should apologize. And she eventually was dragged out to have to apologize. That that woman who approved that incredibly racist cartoon refused to apologize for weeks for it is the one who now, in 2023, nine years later, is saying that any electors of colors should not be allowed to have a party together without white supervision. That is the person that the Boston Globe put forward to sell that to their mostly liberal audience. And so with that, I don't think I have any lasting thoughts on the issue. If you do, love to hear some comments in the Patreon. <laughs> um, and if you do not have the ability to give, which I fully understand, that's why all, or at least up till now, all of my content is completely free. The best way to support the show is to simply like it, retweet it, share it around with people, give it five stars if you haven't done that on Spotify or on Apple podcasts, whatever they call their podcast platform. And then again, if you want to see all of my content, past content, any nice, easy, accessible area, and you have the means to do so, you can head over patreon.com slash Bostopia News and show your support. And so with that, take care. And as always, hope you have a great rest of your day.